Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic here with my dog Lucy. Together we're interviewing cool, creative women entrepreneurs whose work is inspired by their dogs. Do you dream of working alongside your dog? Then sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. On this episode, we get into the details of how to create a dog accessories brand. From coming up with a concept and identifying your customer to finding manufacturers and wholesale accounts. At a startup, you have to wear many hats. So listen to find out how this entrepreneur handles it all. Wolfpack NYC was founded by Australian native Haley Whitfield and was fueled by her desire to create a beautiful winter coat for her mini poodle, Rosa. Haley is based in New York and was a management consultant by trade, but then she decided to leave her corporate gig to start a business manufacturing high-end fashion for dogs. Haley didn't have any experience in product design or manufacturing, but she was just so taken by New York's entrepreneurial energy and the buzz of its garment district, so she figured she'd give it a go. Fast forward 18 months, and she has now launched a collection of Italian uh, luxury leather dog coats and accessories, selling online and through partners across the globe. Welcome, Haley. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for being on the show. I'm really excited to hear about your business, um, and it's it's interesting that you don't have much of a background in dog stuff, and you just decided to kind of take a leap. Yeah, yeah. Well... You know, I've always had an interest in materials and different fabrics, so something that I've always loved, but I'd never had a project to really apply it to. So being able to do that with my dog here in, in New York in the cold winter has been, um, you know, a passion project that's really grown into a business. So what was your um, corporate job that you held before you started pursuing this? So I was in management consulting, so I did professional services to kind of large organizations um, and my clients were in different industries, so telecommunications, government, healthcare, financial services, so a range of different things, but um, you know, my role was focused on organizations, how people work together and how they can get their role done better through different processes. So. Not really about product design or fashion or, um, you know, the pet industry altogether. So it's something very fresh and very different for me. So what, what, what was the biggest challenge? Um, you know, you, maybe you decided to take this leap and you thought it'd be fun and then you realize, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I think it was going from being very good at one thing So my career before that was sort of eight years working as a management consultant and refining how I do that really well. And then doing a startup was like trying to do all of the functions at once, like taking on 15 new jobs at once and basically accepting that I'm not an expert at anything anymore, but I'm really quite terrible at everything I do. And so every day just kind of getting used to being... um, you know, not a perfectionist and accepting where I am and and slowly iterating was, um, you know, kind of learning how to do that was probably the biggest process. And, you know, my dog Rosa was very good at helping me not sweat it, really. You know, she's got really simple values. She's really happy. You throw a ball to her and her world is just set on fire. So, you know, I'd look at her and go, oh, well, she's not freaking out. So who cares, really? That's so wonderful. I love that. I'm always inspired by Lucy and just how every time we walk out the door, she doesn't know if we're going on 
a road trip to Vermont or if we're going to the vet. But she's excited every single time we walk outside. So um, I, I think that our dogs are so inspiring. Um, I was so I was wondering when you now that you have to do everything at a startup and and many of us who are solopreneurs, we're everything. We're the accountant, the designer, mm. the marketing person, human resources. Um, <laughs> did you discover one of those roles that you were surprisingly good at? Oh, God, no. No, <laughs> not at all. I think I'm kind of terrible at all of them, to be honest. Um, but... I think I'm getting better at each one and I'm definitely getting better at learning what's required for each one and with that comes a sense of confidence. So there's definitely some things I'll never be really fabulous at and that I would look to outsource as I get a little bit bigger. And um, But there's some things, yeah, I mean the design aspect is really fun and that process I love doing. So even though I'm not fabulous at it, I'll always you know, be quite hands-on in that area. Right. Well, that was your passion that brought you to do this, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're talking about outsourcing, and I would imagine you do some level of outsourcing like for the manufacturing, right? Um, yeah. What, what, do, what do you outsource, and how did you figure that out? So at the moment, the only thing that I outsource is the manufacturing. So um, in terms of product design, sourcing, uh, that's me kind of in research development and then the manufacturing is done by a partner here in New York City and then everything else from um, sort of selling online, wholesaling, branding and marketing, advertising, that's all me as well. So the manufacturing piece was difficult. I trialled three different factories before I was kind of comfortable with the partnership that I had and the one I've got now is, is really fantastic because they're used to working with small businesses so we can refine the product together and since I'm still so young it's very helpful to have them close by where I can learn as I go you know in close proximity to them. Right so um, the other three that you worked with were they in New York too? One was in New York, one was in Italy um, and another one that I first started with was in the UK. Oh, wow. And so how did you find them? Was it word of mouth or just uh, research? Yeah, research really. I mean, the first few months of working on the business, everything was research. You know, I, I had no idea how to make a pattern. I had no idea how to find materials. I had no idea, um, you know, about how to find a manufacturer. So um, I talked to people in the industry who have manufactured in New York. And so I got some recommendations from them. Um, I found another website that um, had lots of European manufacturers on it. And so because my, most of my materials come from Italy, it also makes sense to do the manufacturing there. So I had pulled out a couple of Italian ones from a website I found and kind of just started that negotiation process and sampling process with them. But, yeah, I think right now the one I've got in New York, you know, focuses on leather rather than dog products. And that's why... I have landed with them, you know, they've got that expertise. And I think that's that's kind of at the forefront of what I'm doing. I can manage the dog design aspect and they can manage, you know, the leather and the production aspect. Right. So your products are um, more of a high-end price point. It's a luxury dog accessories company. Yes. So yes. how did you decide to go the luxury route? Well, I didn't – initially I wasn't thinking I was doing luxury. I believed that I was just creating something that was beautiful 
Um, and the intention was that the product would be long-lasting, so not something that would just be one season and then thrown away. And that, that was the challenge that I had had when I was buying um, items for my dog, Rosa, is that they kind of break and fall apart. And, and, you know, you love them for a short while and then you have to replace them. So, you know, on this journey of trying to create something that was durable, that was long-lasting and that had these materials that were quite substantial, I ended up in this luxury category by accident <laughs> and didn't realise that I was going to be there. And then now that I am there, you know, I understand the opportunity for it is is quite high. It's an area that is under underutilised at the moment in the marketplace. Um, it's a customer that's fairly affluent, that's urban, that engages in a lot of premium pet services um, and, you know, in, in New York especially, that's somewhere, you know, that I can appeal to that group. Right. So um, I've always just been interested in fashion and I've followed um, sort of the, the lack of activity of, of luxury fashion brands on social media. T- like typically luxury fashion doesn't isn't great at social media and obviously they're getting better every day with it but they're sort of late adopters to that and so I've never really thought about like the luxury fashion dog category (laughs) but um how are you getting the word out to this affluent clientele that you're pursuing yeah so I think it's um so far I've really just been experimenting with different sort of marketing strategies um I've spent the last nine months kind of doing that testing and now I'm sort of ready to focus my efforts for the next year going forward but I've tried different things like working with magazines um, social media in terms of creating that lifestyle imagery and putting it together and then advertising through social media um, particularly with Facebook the demographic analysis that you can do can be quite targeted so that has helped Um, and then also doing different events in New York that attract that clientele and doing collaborations with other um, dog industry professionals that are already associated with that particular group. Running your own business isn't easy. There is so much to keep up with every day to let people know that you exist. Posting on social media can be really effective, but who has time to research all the latest algorithms and strategies to gain new followers and get them to your website? Based on everything I learned growing my Instagram presence for my own account, which is at tmystic, I created a new business called Instamystic. I'm here to help you magically create positively engaging Instagram content, whether you're promoting your dog, your business, or yourself. You can learn more about how I can help you at torimystic.com, that's T-O-R-I-M-I-S-T-I-C-K.com. And since you're a loyal podcast listener, I created a free bonus just for you. Get 24 of my go-to dog mom hashtags by visiting torymystic.com slash dog mom. You can also find a direct link to this list in the show notes of this episode. Because I know there's some like really awesome dog boutiques in New York (laughs) Um, and there's tons of charity events and stuff like that. What kind of events have you been trying out? Yeah, I've mostly done ones that are associated with charity, mm-hmm. uh, and we have we have quite a crazy event that's on in February each year. That's the New York Dog like Pet Fashion Show, Ooh. and so that one gets quite a bit of media. I mean, it's it's a bit of a it's a funny show to go to. It's a very funny show, but you know, it's a full catwalk, and um, 
and evening gowns and, you know, kind of <laughs> a funny, glamorous event. But so most do, of the, do you plan on having Wolfpack walk the runway? Yeah, we did last year. We did it last year. Um, my dog Rosa went down wearing this kind of Bordeaux um, lambskin jacket. It had a big faux fur trim. and So she was on stage, which was kind of cool. And then uh, she walked down with a model? She walked down with a model. But, you know, she was petrified, so she didn't walk and the model had to carry her instead. <laughs> there were so many cameras going off in front of her, she didn't know what was going on. So she's not definitely the best model going forward. But um, was there? I just am curious about the dog fashion show. Was there a dress rehearsal or anything? No, no. Okay. But luckily, a lot of the models that were participating in it um, were experienced and have done it before. So, you know, they <laughs> they had it kind of together a lot more than we did. <laughs> and they were all in like evening gowns and. Kind yeah, of yeah, and, and each um, each of the ladies, like each of the female models that was with the dogs coming down, they all represented like a different country of the world. So I think ours was Africa. So we, she was dressed up in an evening gown, but the colours were kind of, you know, quite a strong colours to do with Africa. And another one was, you know, Zimbabwe and China. And so they always have a fun theme to go with it. That's really cool. <laughs> As if there wasn't enough going on. <laughs> no, exactly. It's really wild. It's really that wild. That sounds so fun. I would love to come see that. <laughs> so that's in yeah. February. Everyone can kind of um, mark their calendars and, and look that up online and go to New York for that. That sounds so fun. Yes, yes. Um, so what are some of the other challenges that you've experienced working for yourself because going from being in like an office environment where there's a hierarchy um, oh, yes. and there's more structure to being on your own, um, it can be hard. And so um, one of the things that we discussed before we started recording was how to celebrate your successes. So is there anything that you do to um, sort of reward yourself or, you know, acknowledge the milestones that you've reached? Yeah, it's it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing because, um, you know, most of the time there's not a lot of wins. They're few and far between. So every day, you know, I kind of work in my apartment on my own. I've got two interns with me at the moment, which is fabulous. I've got some company. Um, but generally I'm kind of just by myself and I'm with my own ideas and my own thoughts and, you know, there's no direction. There's no manager there to tell you that you're going in the right way, that you're doing the right thing and that even – even having that goal as a milestone and hitting it is even really a good thing at all. So there's not a lot of feedback. So I had to learn that it was kind of just my own perception that sort of drove whether things were doing well or not and being comfortable with that. And it's, it's a very uncertain place to be. But when I would hit, you know, these milestones and you'd work at it for such a long time, a long time, most of the things are long leads, it's almost an anticlimax when it arrives because you've been thinking about it for so long and in the back of your mind you've come up with new goals to work towards as well. So that goal becomes a bit of a check in the box and an anticlimax and jump into the next thing instead. So it's really important I have learned to stop um, and take the time to reflect on where I've been, you know, in the last three months or the last six months or the last 12 months because when I think back to even the person that I was six months ago, and the perceptions that I had and what I thought was scary and difficult, they're totally different today. And so hitting those goals 
is really changing the way that I kind of perceive myself and perceive where I'm going. And um, so for me, I, I like to travel, I like to take vacations and generally it's in that time that I take the opportunity to stop and reflect and see where I've come. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think it's so hard for all of us to live in the moment because like you said, like once you hit one goal, oh, everyone's like, what's next? What's what, next? What are you going to do next? What's the next thing? Um, and you kind of have to take a moment to say, hey, this is really awesome yeah. <laughs> what I just did. Like I bet for you the first time that you got a sample of one of your products, like, oh, I mean, that's a huge milestone. And, huge. But it's also stressful because you're like, you know, maybe the stitching wasn't right here or then, oh. you know, so you're always like trying to make it better. Um, so it is kind of a never ending. It is. It's a never ending cycle. And, you know, there's so many iterations and refinements. Like you say, as soon as you get one thing made, it's like, okay, that's totally fantastic, but this is what I need to do next. And this is what I need to do next because, you know, working on a passion project means that your mind never stops, Mm -hmm. you know, it just goes and goes and goes. So there's never enough hours in the day to be able to get it all done, but it's a wonderful thing to be doing. And I'm really lucky and fortunate that I've been able to. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds really exciting. Um, So tell everyone who's not familiar with Wolfpack sort of what your key products are. Okay. So the core product is a winter dog coat. Um, And that came about from me moving from Australia, from, you know, sunny Sydney into New York, into a very cold winter with my dog and looking for a beautiful jacket for her to wear and something that's really warm and really durable. And I've tried to design something that, that meets that expectation. So the, the, the coat is a leather coat. Um, you know, it has a big faux fur trim. The leather is from Italy. The hardware is bespoke from Italy. It's something that you would keep from a long time and kind of fall in love with. Mm-hmm. It's timeless in its aesthetic. Um, and so it's a real kind of statement piece. And then supporting that, I have accessories, so um, dog leads and harnesses, and we're about to introduce collars as well. And so they are all in the same matching leathers, so it's kind of a nice colorway, you know, theme that goes together. Yeah, and are your the colors that you're thinking of, I'm sure they're kind of like current, what's in style, what's in fashion? Yeah, you know what, they're a little bit more... Um, they're a bit more timeless than they are seasonal. So they're kind of they're kind of just sophisticated color palettes that mm-hmm. will that will last several seasons, I think. And and that's always been the intent. It hasn't been something that is necessarily in fashion. So I do like a deep rose color, a soft cloudy gray, a nice deep Bordeaux, an olive, and we're about to introduce a matte black, which is really exciting too. Yeah, black goes with everything. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a good high quality leather leash can last your whole dog's life oh, yes. and into the next dog. You know, I've had, um, I had a, a really great leather leash that I had with my old dog that just broke like last year or something like that. I had it for like 15 years. Oh, so yes. there are just, it's a great, it might be a slight investment, but um, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. Look, they're definitely pieces that last a really long time. And I mean, there's parts of me that like, I love to go to H&M and Zara and buy beautiful fashion pieces and I have a lot of fun wearing them. And then I might go and buy something that 
um, is an investment and is long-lasting. And I think those two ideas complement. They're not um, they're not in competition with one another. It's nice to have both in your life. Yeah, it's a very modern take on everything. Yeah. Yeah, so someone could combine like a fun novelty holiday collar with one of your leashes or a jacket or something and they can mix and match. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that you have some interns working with you. And um, I think that everyone who's listening might be interested since they're probably struggling with their own hustle. Um, (laughs) How you found some interns and, and what do you have them do for you? So I have two interns at the moment and they are here with me for three months. One of them is full time. She comes five days a week. Uh, nine to five and the other one comes on Tuesdays and Thursdays for the day and I found them on a website called internships.com where you kind of post a job ad and um, different students or so it's usually either students at the end of their university degree or those that have just graduated that are looking to build a portfolio for themselves Uh, They're generally the ones that reply. And so mine was around, you know, I wanted some copywriting, some creative ideas. And so I interviewed maybe five or six candidates for for the roles. Um, And I've got two really great girls that come in. So um, we've been working on some marketing, some advertising, doing a brand book, really refinery, like refining um, the language, the tone of voice that we want to have going forward. So not only do they create content that I can post in, in the immediate, but we're also working on more found, like foundational pieces as well. Right, like a long-term kind of brand identity marketing Yeah, plan. Yeah, and, you know, I, I had a bit of an idea of that by myself anyway um, that I had created 12 months ago, but it's just so much better working with someone you know, saying it out loud as you're going and brainstorming the ideas and, and throwing them up in the air against one another. That has been just such, you know, such an invaluable process for me. Right. And just to get someone else's eyes looking at something. Absolutely. Other, other Absolutely. than Rosa, because she Rosa probably has a really great sense of style and an opinion, but she <laughs> but can't she vocalize it. <laughs> no, she doesn't share it with me. She doesn't share it with me. <laughs> and, you know, and there's only so much that my husband can take listening about my business and providing any response. So it's really nice to have someone, you know, working together as a team. And, you know, it's great being a small business, but that would be something in the future that would be amazing, you know, to work in a small team right. permanently. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I'm curious about, um, when I read your bio, um, you'd mentioned that you work with some partners across the globe. And so I, I'm assuming that that's like retail partners. Um, yes. So how did you figure that out, that part of the puzzle? Uh, well, initially, initially that was my strategy, was just to wholesale. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to have as much focus on kind of doing the e-commerce and learning about digital marketing and that kind of thing too much, whereas by accident I've had to fall into that and learn a whole new realm as well. Um, but so the wholesaling piece, I had reached out to a few online stores to start with and a few boutiques kind of here in the city and I didn't get a lot of traction, but the one online store that I really wanted um, I I build a great relationship with and that's Hugo and Otto based in the UK 
so they sell sort of in the UK and Europe and she, the owner of of Hugo and Otto, she's been a great partner to me and she's got relationships in marketing in the UK as well. So we've been able to work together on that, which has been a great learning for me, really. Um, and in addition to that, I've had a couple of other people reach out to me that's kind of taken traction as well. So we're also wholesaling with um, a company in China that do a luxury daycare centre in Shanghai. So Doggy daycare. <laughs> doggy daycare. <laughs> but it's like quite like doggy daycare on steroids, I think. They've got like a big swimming pool in there so that the dogs get lots of exercise. And, wow. You know, I, I think they've put a lot of money into it. So it's really fabulous to partner with someone that's targeting the same segment of the market as me. Right. you know, as well. Exactly. And so are your orders kind of how fashion is? Like there's like seasons or do people just order on a rolling basis? Yeah. So there's kind of two seasons, the summer and the winter, really, rather than the four seasons um, that it can be with the regular fashion, the fashion calendar. But because I'm so small, I can also do um, special orders. So mm-hmm. I can do custom pieces and custom colors, which is something that you know, I get really excited about and when I'm working with an account that wants to create something that's different to my existing collection, I mean, that's really fun. That's, you know, that's more fun than just working on my own collection really. That's right. the evolution of the business. So so that's been good too. That's very exciting. Um, so let's get back to Rosa because um, she is your inspiration behind everything. <laughs> so tell us about her. She's a mini poodle. She is. She is. She's a mini poodle and um, she's a mini poodle. <laughs> I'm looking at her right now. She's sitting on the sofa looking very, um, very annoyed at me because, <laughs> you know, I spend most of my time sitting in front of my computer and not walking her. And I like to tell her that she doesn't know how good she's got it because I'm here all day with her every day and, you know, other dogs in the building are by themselves. Exactly. She doesn't seem to appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so she's a mini poodle. She's four and a half years old. She is the most intelligent dog that I've ever met. I've never really had a dog that I didn't know that dogs could possibly be that smart, to be honest. I grew up with um, big, beautiful Labradors. And so living in an apartment now, the poodle was the choice that we selected because she doesn't shed and so it's kind of easy to be around. But she's just so incredibly smart, perceptive. She can pick up on emotion and people around her and how she's supposed to behave. So she's great. We travel off leash together. She's just so easy to rely upon. What would you say is a quality that you two have in common? Oh, I think we're both curious. Mm. I think I think we both follow our curiosity. So, but don't over don't. But we're quite careful to not overstep the mark at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think I think we both have that really well. <laughs> you want to know more, but you want to make sure you're going to like it first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want to make sure we go about it the right way. But um, but yeah, I think it's that sense of intrigue and curiosity. That's awesome. Well. She sounds like a, a wonderful business partner for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she is indeed. She's my business partner, my inspiration. She is, you know, the most amazing thing to open the door to when I come home from anywhere at any time. She just fills my entire heart with so much satisfaction. I can't even begin to describe. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone can find photos of her on your social media, right? 
Yes, yes. So <laughs> tell everyone um, where they can find your website and where's the best place to find you on social media. Okay, so my website is wolfpacknyc.com and our Instagram is urban underscore wolfpack. Uh, and from there, you can kind of see our Facebook and Twitter as well. But Instagram and the website are kind of our primary channels. So everyone head over there and say hi to Haley and Rosa and give them yes. a little like. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really awesome. Thanks for giving us an insider look at, you know, the behind the scenes of your business. I really appreciate it. No, thank you so much for giving us the time to do so. This is really cool. So thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. All these dog moms doing awesome things. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Go the dog moms. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. You can fetch show notes for this episode at wearwagrepeat.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, Lucy and I will see you around the dog park.